We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. We're brought to you by Deal Dash. And we are brought to you by Manscaped. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. Jason, we actually have some live sports to talk about, even if it's not the Bulls. We do, which is great. First, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time here talking about the return of the NBA scrimmages uh, and the return of, of MLB. We got the WNBA started this past weekend. First, we were going to get our weekly Jim Boylan stuff out of the way. He is, Jim Boylan is still the Chicago Bulls head coach. Uh, more kind of uh, speculation, rumors that he's going to actually stay. Uh, Mark Berman, the New York Post Report had a report saying that the Bulls are going to stand pat. I mean, who knows how much he actually knows. But we got more stuff from Casey Johnson. He did a pod with Jason Goff uh, for NBC Sports Chicago. And then he kind of put his thoughts from the pod into kind of a column. It was about uh, Karnaschofis is like right to take the long play with Jim Boylan. Ricky, talk to us a bit about what Casey wrote in this column and just your general thoughts on it. Real quick, like, so we've, been, we've talked so much about fucking Jim Boyle and like, I don't want to, we don't want to spend too much time, but we felt like we had to address this. Well, obviously it's disgusting and Jim Boylan should be fired yesterday. Uh, but, you know, from the way Casey was talking about this, I'm assuming he's pretty plugged into ownership. Uh, it certainly seems like there's a very good chance Jim Boylan might be coming back to coach the Bulls next year. It's totally unacceptable. The fans should be absolutely disgusted, but here's a portion of the story from Casey Johnson. I'll read it out loud, titled, Why Arturis Karnashovas' Long Play on Jim Boylan's Future is the Smart Play. Casey writes, 
Quote, unless a proven decorated entity is available, such a change would be a hard sell at a time when the team's main source of revenue is dried up and no formal group activities are occurring. Only Karnashovis knows if, say, giving a first-time head coach an opportunity is an ask of ownership he wants to cash in during this unprecedented time. The guess here is no. Such a move would also start the clock on Karnashovis' tenure at a time when all signs point to essentially the same roster returning in the new executive in Eversley, both saying they plan to take the time to assess the roster beyond the unknowns of the 2021 calendar and the salary cap next season could be an abnormal one as well. All right. So there's just so much wrong with <laughs> these three paragraphs uh, saying that Karnaschovas needs to quote cash in a favor to hire his first head coach. This is totally ridiculous. He's you hire him to be the lead decision maker of the team. The first thing you should be able to do is hire a head coach, especially when the only reason you brought Karnashovas on is because last season was such a disaster led by Jim Boylan. There's basically no way for you to say Boylan deserves to keep his job based on what he's done as the head coach of the Bulls throughout the last two seasons. Uh, but essentially what this is saying is ownership loves him so much that Karnashovas, while he might have the power, we don't even really know if he has right, the yeah. power to fire Boylan at this point, uh, that he would have to cash in a favor. This is totally insane. And then it says that firing Boylan would start the clock on Karnashovas' no tenure. Sense. The the clock has already started on Karnashovas' tenure. So you're saying that if Karnashovas decides to keep Boylan, that ownership will sort of give him a grace period uh, for however long Boylan's the head coach? This is totally insane. If Karnashovas doesn't fire Boylan right away, I think it's the Bulls are immediately showing their ass that it's, you know, the same Bulls they always were, that it remains to be a Reinsdorf and Paxson run franchise, frankly. And we know ownership loves Jim Boylan. It's just totally ridiculous that it's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it's insane, Jason. And we're going to change the subject. We're going to talk about something else because we've complained about Jim Boylan uh, pretty much for the entirety of the last three episodes of this podcast. But this Casey article was just really, really depressing. And the idea that the clock starts on Karnaschovas when Boylan is gone, but he gets a grace period if he doesn't fire Boylan now. It doesn't make any sense, man. That, that does, it, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And then there was a bit later in that article about like the players, not, players not really liking him. Obviously, we had heard the reports. We saw Daniel Gafford, a rookie, answer on a Twitch stream that he basically that Boylan needs to get better as a coach and as a person. Basically, calling him out. This is a rookie. Like normally, I'd be like, like a rookie shouldn't be really saying that stuff. But like Daniel Gafford felt comfortable enough to come out and say that. And like I don't really blame him. Like. Boylan took forever to get him in the rotation this year, and he had the weird injury timeout, no timeout thing. So, like, I get it. And so the part of this article was, like, you know, like, they're trying to offset, like, the players not really like Boylan that much by, like, creating a positive environment in, like, the building. And, like, they, I know guys have been at the advocate for workouts and all that kind of stuff. But, like, that's just so weird. Like, you're going out of your way to to go against what the, the players are thinking to create this whatever positive environment that, like, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, I will. I, I do want to give a shout out to Joe Cowley, even though he ripped you, Ricky, on Twitter uh, for the column well, he did. Right? What was that about? He just takes a pot shot at me <laughs> on Twitter out of nowhere. Shut was, up, Cowley. I was I know, interacted I, with this guy in a decade. It was. I th it was definitely because uh, our good friend Matt uh, Bloggable was kind of ripping on him, and he 
colleague kind of fired back by bringing you into it for some reason. But I will at least give him credit for then writing a column about about the Bulls and the finances and Ryan Storff and basically calling them out for like saying that that like finance should have no absolutely no impact on this decision, like just absolutely none. So I was at least glad that he wrote that to kind of fire back. But yeah, the Jimbo and stuff. I mean, we're just so sick and tired of it. But like, it doesn't seem like a decision is going to come anytime soon. We will talk a bit more about an update on a possible second bubble a bit later in this podcast. Let's, that's enough of Jim Boylan for right now. Actually, one more thing. Darnell Bainberry, who once said 100% that Boylan was gone, went on Locked on Bulls, uh, one of our another great Bulls podcast podcasts out there, and claimed that he thinks Boylan's going to be back now, so that's terrible. But moving on from Jim Boylan, let's talk about sports being back. Uh, I mean, for a while, I know soccer's kind of been back for a while. I, I believe the Chicago women's soccer team unfortunately lost their championship game today against Houston. Uh, I believe the MLS has been back for a few weeks, but we got some of the big ones coming back now. We got NBA scrimmages started last week. We got MLB baseball uh, opening day, uh, Cubs, White Sox, and all that kind of stuff ha- has happened in the last week. We got the WNBA return this past weekend, the NBA players showing a ton of support for the league. I know the, uh, some WNBA players uh so, took a really good stand, I believe, stance. I believe which teams was it? Walk, like walked off the court, I believe, like for a Black Lives Matter protest. Uh, and I believe you said you watched the Sky Game. You can talk about some of that. But how, Ricky, just how does it feel to have some of these sports back just after just so long, the, all this just long hiatus? Yeah, I guess my general takeaway coming into it was that it just didn't feel right for sports to come back. And like everyone's plans just seemed way too risky. The NBA in particular, I really feel like they're just hoping and praying that something disastrous doesn't happen. Uh, You know, you see in baseball with Soto testing positive for COVID on opening day. uh, So I still don't feel great about all of this, obviously, but uh, maybe selfishly, I got to say, I have enjoyed sports yeah. coming back a little bit. Uh, it was really fun to watch the Sky play today. The Sky rally back to beat the Las Vegas Aces, one of the best teams in the league. In the last second, they run a hammer play for Ali Quigley. Pump fakes from the corner, hits a step back three, Sky win. It was really fun watching the Sky today. That is a really awesome team. Uh, we should be talking about them more on this podcast uh, as the weeks go on because you know, in this 22 game season, the WNBA is having, I think this guy really have a chance this year and uh, they're going to be an offensive powerhouse of a team. They're really fun. And, you know, I've been a White Sox fan for my whole life. I think it's been what, 12 years since the White Sox have made the playoffs or something off the top a of my while. head. So uh, this is the White Sox season I've been waiting for, for so long to have Luis Robert up Mankata, you know, hits a three run dinger in the second game. Uh, today's game against the Twins, the series finale, was just a disaster. I think, you know, Nelson Cruz is probably hitting another home run as we're recording this. <laughs> he just crushed the Sox in this opening game series. Rod- in Lopez, uh, not a very strong start. He didn't even get out of the first inning he today. Got so, uh, yeah, and he got hurt, got pulled. So uh, I got to say, I-, I am selfishly enjoying sports coming back. I don't know if it's safe. I'm glad there's no fans in the stands, certainly. I hope the players are all uh, – you know, aware of the risks they're taking and that they're fine with it because selfishly I have enjoyed, uh, you know, watching the sky game, watching the white Sox, and, uh, best of all, we don't have to deal with the bulls for like six more months. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I am with you on this, on the selfish part of that. I mean, it's just, it's been nice to watch the Cubs again. Uh, I've watched a few minutes of these NBA scrimmages. I haven't gotten like really deep into it. Just, I mean, they're scrimmages and they're obviously their stars aren't playing much, but seeing some highlights on Twitter, it's obviously following it for, for work and all that. I mean, it, it's been nice to see. I mean, I do think the NBA is like, they are trying, I think they clearly at least have a good plan in place. 
Well, if it actually works, we will see. We've had, we've obviously already seen like a few hiccups. We've seen guys have been coming and going. A few guys have tested positive. I guess the last round of testing was very good because it was, I believe it was zero out of 346 players once they all got in the bubble. So that's good. Obviously, we've had like the issues with guys like Dwight Howard, who's spouting off about wearing masks and like anti-vax stuff. Really bad. So you hope guys aren't idiots. And we saw like Chris Stapps Porzingis today and Paul Millsap yesterday forgot to take tests. So they had to sit out scrimmages. Uh, and then we had the Lou Williams thing where he gets an excused absence to go to his grandfather's funeral. He stops at a Magic City strip club in Atlanta to get some chicken wings because apparently he loves this place so much. But like a picture comes online on Friday of him like hanging out with a rapper and then it was deleted. And then the rapper was trying to cover for him. Uh, like the story that they have is that he just went there for some wings basically when he. He was going to this funeral. He stopped there because he loves this place. It's like his favorite restaurant to get some wings. But obviously, like, that'll bring up question marks. Like, you, you prefer guys, if they're going to leave the bubble, that they're not going to go to strip clubs and eat chicken wings or do whatever. Uh, but, I mean, he's coming back. He's got a 10-day quarantine. He's going to miss a couple games. So it, it seems like at least the rule's in place. They're pretty strict. Uh, and for the most part, the bubble is held so far. Uh, we've seen some unique stuff in terms of like the game environment, the game day experience. Because obviously, you mentioned no fans in the stands. The NBA's got all these video boards. Uh, they're like trying to give home court advantage to some of these teams. Like they're showing. Like I was watching some of the Lakers games, and they had like Lakers cheerleaders would come cut would come on these boards after a big highlight. And there's that they obviously got like fake crowd noise, and they try to bring in some like the other just like sounds and stuff and try to make it seem like a home game. Watching the baseball games. Uh, like I know some of these teams are doing like the, the cardboard cutouts of fans in the stands on um, at the uh, for the Cubs game on Fox on Saturday uh, they were using like MLB the show I think fans so like if there was like a whole like Christian Yelich had an absolute bomb of a home run there was like MLB like the show fans in the crowd which was kind of weird and then today again I was watching the Cubs and like the crowd noise it's kind of jarring when there's no fans in the stands to like see and hear that and see this, this kind of fake stuff come in. But I don't, I mean, I don't mind, I don't hate them for like trying this stuff out. Uh, it's, it's the time to experiment. It's a weird season. It's a wacky season. I mean, baseball's got these crazy playoffs. They got this new rule with the extra innings and the guy on second base to start. Ridiculous. The inning. I hate yeah. That. Yeah. I think, I think that is kind of crazy. Like I, I certainly hope that's not something that sticks around. I guess I understand why they're doing it just to like, so they don't want long, crazy games in general. I was like, if you're like more of a, if you're like a baseball purist, you've been a baseball fan forever. Yeah. It sucks. Like it's just, just kind of weird. It's like softball, goofy stuff. But again, like it's the, t- this is, I get, if you're going to do, try this kind of thing, you do it, you do it now in this crazy season. We'll see about the playoffs stuff again, 16 teams in the MLB playoffs. It's basically going to be like NBA and NHL now. So I don't know if there's anything else that you've noticed if, you, if you've watched any of these games that has kind of stuck out. You know, oh, Rudy, yeah. Go- Rudy Gobert called called this like a Black Mirror experience with some of these video boards. Yeah, go ahead if you got any thoughts on this kind of stuff. Well, the thing that I'm most invested in outside of Joe Kim Noah, and we'll talk about him in the next segment, but my boy Bull Bull, balling oh, for yes. the Denver Nuggets. They're playing yeah. him at small forward with his 7-8 wingspan. He's played two games, I think, for the Nuggets in the bubble, yeah. two scrimmages, and he's been awesome in both. I think I read a stat from TJ McBride, who we had on the podcast when the Bulls hired Connor Chauvis, that Bulls already blocked four jump shots. Like, you just don't see that ever. He's ripping threes. They're running dribble handoffs for him. Jokic is throwing behind his head passes to him. So, 
Bull Bull, so much fun to watch. I saw him on the AAU circuit in 2017 when he was a top five recruit in the country matchup against Marvin Bagley, and he whooped Bagley's ass in that game. I don't remember him missing, but I looked up the box score from that game, and I guess he went 12 of 15. He had like 27 points in that game, and I was sold on him immediately because when Bull Bull's cooking, he's an absolutely elite shooter with just unprecedented length. I mean, he's as long as Rudy Gobert. Uh, he's like sort of a similar build to Mo Bamba, I would say, but is like a knockdown shooter. Uh, and I think it's been really fun to watch him so far. The Nuggets are playing some absolutely insane lineups with Jokic at point guard, Jeremy big Grant men. two, <laughs> yeah. and Bowl with the three, like going with five traditional bigs. It's awesome to watch. I wonder if, you know, potentially that could be the future of the sport one day, way down the road, if you have the right roster to do it. And uh, the way they're using Bull defensively is cool too. They're basically only playing in a zone because Bull uh, really struggles to move laterally. And I think, you know, that's why he fell to 44 in the draft. People didn't think that he was going to be able to stay on the floor defensively, but you know, you put him in a gimmick zone, that length is able to play and offensively, he can do a lot of different things. So much fun to watch. So every Bull Bull game, I need Bleacher Report or, you know, one of these other sites to give me a highlight package because I'm watching all of them. I'm watching every Bull Bull clip I can get my hands on. I think that was Friday. I think that first game was like Thursday or Friday. And I mean, he, and he was like right off the bat. He had like hit a three pointer and like blocked a shot. And just like the entire like first half of the game, which is Bull Bull highlight after Bull Bull highlight. NBA Twitter was just going out, out of control. And I remember, I remember you were high on him. We, you were talking about him when we were doing draft previews for uh, last year. And you, you loved him. And he obviously, I, I don't think he's played a minute yet this season, right? No, he was actually on the Windy City Bulls because uh, they don't have an affiliate. Yeah, they don't have correct? an affiliate. Yeah. Denver doesn't have an affiliate, I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, this was like the first real chance he's gotten. And at Oregon, I want to say he played like six games or whatever before he had a season-ending foot injury, declared for the draft. I actually had him as a top 10 player in this draft, and he ended yeah, up going all the way to 44. So my take still might end up looking very bad, but uh, if you ever watched Bowl play – he just had A++ size and A++ shooting ability for a big man. So you would think, you know, regardless of some of the holes in his skill set in terms of his mobility, his injury history, his lack of strength, he has a lot of question marks. There's no doubt just his physical profile. But the dude is just talented as hell and so much fun to watch. So give me yeah, all the whole content. Yeah, I, I read an article today, at, uh, I think it was the Denver Post, with it from, from his trainer, one of his trainers or something, calling him like the unicorn, like the next Porzingis. And obviously, like his trainer is going to gas him up. But like, I mean, when you got that size, that skill set, I mean, that's basically why Porzingis was considered the, the unicorn because he's huge. He can shoot. He can play defense. So like, it'll be really interesting to see how his career progresses. Before we move on, talk. We're going to talk some bull stuff, some possible second bubble, bubble stuff. Uh, let's take a quick break for and a word from our sponsors, Deal Dash and Bet Online. Have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item's yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering cash consideration listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. A great deal. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code CASH or DealDash.fm slash CASH. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash CASH for this DealDash 
roll. It's a great deal. Go check that out. We also have a, a word from Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners at Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets available all 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former NFL player Eddie George. We had Harold Reynolds, former baseball player, former seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they have to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. We are back. Cash Considerations, HRI Wolves podcast. Um, there was kind of a bit of Bulls fought, trade rumor fodder out there. Not really huge, but it did involve a big name that is Zach Levine. Uh, and I believe we answered last weekend on our Ask Us Basically Anything pod. Uh, someone asked us about Zach Levine, Zach Levine trades. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting that this came up. This is from Ian Begley of SNY. Uh, basically, it was reporting that like the Knicks uh, and the Nets are two teams that might be interested in Zach Levine if he asks for a trade. Uh, this seems and that they've done their homework on him. Uh, the Nets were a team that I had brought up as a possible possible Levine destination when we were asked about the Levine trade stuff. Uh, I kind of figured because the Nets were linked to Bradley Beal before that if the Wizards hang on to Beal or the Nets don't trade for him, uh, that you could then turn to Zach Levine. Uh, I don't want to say Levine's better than Bradley Beal. Beal obviously came on so strong at the end of the season and ended up averaging 30 points a game. But, I mean, it, it's not a terrible – uh, it's not a huge step down from Bradley Beal to Zach Levine, if anything. Uh, so basically just, yeah, is that the Knicks and Nets doing homework on Zach Levine if he wants out. Obviously, this kind of ties into Boylan. I'm breaking my promise here to not mention Boylan again. Obviously, I think people were saying other teams might spill blood in the water if they read that Jim Boylan's coming back. Maybe Zach Levine will ask for a trade. Uh, after this, Casey Johnson kind of came and uh, t- tossed the cold water bucket on it, which I kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, like teams are going to ask about Zach Levine, but the Bulls, like they, I mean, they're not going to be like going out and shopping for him. And that's kind of something that I've, I think I've said this whole time. Like, every everything should be on the table here. The Bulls have a core that where nobody should be untouchable. Nobody's that good on this core. If a team comes calling or comes sniffing around Zach Levine, you should they should absolutely listen. But ultimately, like it should take a lot. Take a pretty big offer to trade Zach Levine. Like I don't want to go out there and trade him for peanuts. I mean, if you look at like the Nets, uh, I mean, they're an offer would probably based on the like, Karis Levert and like a first round pick, and then maybe a bit more than that. Like, and is that is that that good? I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if the net how much more the Nets would like Zach Levine over a guy like Karis Levert. Like, I feel like Karis Levert's gotten a lot of hype. Uh, maybe not that warranted injury problems. He's never been that efficient. I saw someone tweet that, like, oh, Karis Levert's better than Zach Levine. I think that's probably totally false. I know Levine has his issues. He's never impacted winning, but, like, he's still a pretty damn good player. We've talked about that a lot. But And then if you look at the Knicks, who just hired Tom Thibodeau, we can talk about that in a bit as well here real quick. Uh, I mean, the Knicks obviously have some young talent. They got R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin, Kevin Knox stinks. But, I mean, theoretically, maybe still some potential there. Uh, same there with Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina. I mean, just a lot of young players, and they've obviously been a, a mess for so long. But, I mean, that's a situation where, again, you'd probably ask for R.J. Barrett and like, a pick. I can't imagine the Knicks would trade R.J. Barrett for Zach Levine, but maybe with this new front office, they'd want to try to bring in a star. Like, yeah, I, I, would th- I would think not. So, I mean, I guess just coming back to this, Ricky, just like thoughts on this 
this kind of this kind of quote unquote rumor and just more anything on Zach Levine and possible trades and th- these two teams specifically, I guess as well. Yeah, I saw someone messaged me and uh, you know they were saying like if the Bulls could get Kevin Knox and the Knicks first round pick for Levine, like I would totally do that. Uh, someone just threw that out there as a hypothetical. I saw uh, the Knicks are currently slated at sixth in the lottery. The Bulls are in seventh. Uh, before the lottery actually goes down in about a month. So if you get the Knicks first round pick for Levine, and if you could get a former lottery pick like Kevin Knox, who I'm not really high on, uh, and man, if Tibbs can get Kevin Knox to turn into something, I think uh, that right there, Tibbs will be like worth his contract and worth a hire. But uh, I would totally trade Levine if I was the Bulls, if you could get a good pick for him. Like I would not trade him for the 20th pick, which is where the Nets are slated to select uh and Levert I mean Levert I do think is a good player he's not as good as Levine I also don't really know if Levert helps you win in any meaningful way if you're the Bulls like I don't really see how he moves the needle for them so I would want picks and prospects and you know if the Knicks want to part with their first round pick obviously they already have a lot of young guys on that roster they got Mitchell Robinson they got uh RJ they got Kevin Knox so I don't think you're getting Robinson and I don't think you're getting Barrett but like maybe you could get Knox but more than anything, I would just want the pick, even though this is kind of a weak draft. You know, just take a stab at someone in the top 10. There's a lot of guys who I do think could eventually play, uh, you know, roles on winning teams in this draft, even if they're not going to be flat out stars. So if I'm the Bulls, I would actually do that because as much as I like Zach, and while I think he's like a little bit underrated in the national discourse, certainly a better player than Levert, I think, uh, like he just hasn't helped the Bulls win in any meaningful way. And, you know, it's not his fault, but if Zach Levine's the best player on your team, your team's going to suck. Like that's just the end of, you know, that's the story at the end of the day. So uh, I would move him if they could get a good package for him. And to me, that's a top 10 draft pick, which the Knicks are going to have this year. We'll see if they actually do it. I wouldn't be surprised if Tibbs wants to get some more veterans in there uh, and doesn't want to waste any time reshaping the roster. The pick is going to be the best trade chip the Knicks have, Uh, you know, Maybe if the Nets and Knicks get into a bidding war, the Knicks actually would part with that pick uh, to acquire Zach Levine, and I would do that just because, you know, what are you really accomplishing with this current rebuild? Uh, You know, I I don't really know about the long-term viability of Kobe and Zach in the backcourt together, so I kind of think long-term one of those guys is going to have to go anyway. That would be really maximizing value for Zach, and if that's the case, uh, I think Karnaschovas and the Bulls should be willing to part with him. Yeah, man, I guess in the, I, I feel like that if that trade did happen, I feel like a lot of fans would be angry. I don't know if I'd really like it just because I think Knox is horrible. I don't really think – I want the pick more than Knox, but like – Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I, obviously. But I, just, I guess I just don't know in this draft if that pick is worth it. I guess in this case, I think you're acknowledging that you're kind of starting over again almost. Like obviously you'd still have – the Bulls would still have some other decent young players there, but I feel like you probably would take a step back. Uh, I mean, maybe you wouldn't again because I mean Zach hasn't impacted winning that much, but I mean he was almost their whole offense at times this season. Bailed them out in some games, obviously other games uh, struggled down the stretch in games. So I feel it, it, this season I feel like, like Zach had such good numbers, but it just kind of again like, still kind of hard to judge like how does he impact winning because based on what we saw this season and how the Bulls kind of sucked, like, I, like how much blame would you put on Zach Levine for that? I'm not really sure. So it, it, again, it's I keep coming back to how it's just kind of hard to gauge his value here and then how other teams gauge it. I'm just not totally sure. Uh, I, I guess I don't think – I don't know if I'd hate, hate it. I guess you could probably end up talking me into it if if they ended up getting whatever the, whatever pick the Knicks have. If it's like top five and then you get one of these other young guys they have. I mean, sure, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I Off the top of my head, I would 
don't say I'd love it. Uh, it'd be nice to get like a maybe isn't the next draft supposed to be great? Like if you get a, a pick, then I don't know. Either way, I think a lot of fans would probably hate it if that was if the Bulls didn't make that trade. Uh, just because I mean, Zach's like the Bulls' best player. He's a big score. Like again, you'd be acknowledging that he'd probably be taking us a, a bit of a step back next season and just kind of banking on a draft pick. Uh, but like you said, like and, and we've said, like nobody should be untouchable if you can get something of decent value. Maybe you just pull the trigger, and maybe with this new front office, and they just kind of want to start kind of kind of new. Maybe they do it. I'm not totally sure. Um, any other thoughts there on Zach Levine before we move on? Uh, not really. I mean, Zach's a good player, but I just don't think he could be the best player on your team. And you know, if Tibbs wants to acquire a veteran, if he thinks that Levine's the best guy on the market, I, I agree with you that I don't really know if the Bulls are gonna you know, be willing to trade Levine. And I do think it would take a big package. Hopefully if you get the Knicks first round pick and it's in the top 10, that's good enough to trade Levine. Uh, but I, I do find it unlikely that it's going to happen. So I didn't take it, the rumor too serious. I meant to look this up. Did Zach play for Tibbs in yeah. Minnesota? Yeah. yeah. Zach's last okay, yeah. thought it was for Tibbs. Okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Uh, if that would be interesting. So I guess let's, let's go into the, into Tom Thibodeau real quick. You got I believe it's a five year deal with the Knicks. Uh, there were some rumors out there that uh, that Jason Kidd uh, was possibly had turned into the front runner. Was Tom Thibodeau was the front runner for the longest time, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, it actually might be Jason Kidd now." Blah blah blah. And then like a day later, Thibs gets five year deal, coach of the Knicks. Obviously, the Knicks have been a dumpster fire forever. It'll be. I mean, Thibodeau. I feel like has been kind of like angling for this job for a long time now. Uh, what do you make of Thibs being back in the league now? Obviously, he was with the, the Timberwolves. They went to the playoffs once, ended their playoff trial with Jimmy Butler, uh, but then it kind of flamed out after that when Jimmy did his thing and ended up getting traded again and just didn't work out. Uh, how do you feel? What do you feel about the fit with Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks? Tibbs back, baby. I love it. Love <laughs> Tibbs forever. Uh, I guess most like most people with objectivity think that this is a bad hire for the Knicks. That's like seems to be what I'm picking up. People are saying he's the biggest retread in the league, uh, that, you know, it'll only be so long before he eventually agrees to a buyout of that contract because he got five years. But I feel like Tibbs' track record of winning and development is just totally unassailable. You know that no one's going to be more prepared, like to an absolutely maniacal degree. And the biggest issue with the Knicks is just the roster. Like no one's going to be able to win with that Knicks roster next year. Uh, and I don't think that Tibbs is going to like magically turn RJ Barrett into a great player overnight or anything, but God, I, yeah, I think it's a good hire for the Knicks to be totally honest. Like I'm pro Tibbs. I think that, you know, while he might not be like a total miracle worker, given what the Knicks roster currently looks like, I think just having him as the head coach, you know, guys are going to get better. They're going to be prepared. They're going to learn how to win. So I'm pro Tibbs, man. I think it's a good hire for the Knicks. I, don't think a lot of people agree with this who aren't Bulls fans. Uh, that seems to be the consensus at least, but I bet it ends up being a good hire. But, you know, the first thing they got to do is get some players. And uh, in terms of what they do have on the roster, like Mitchell Robinson is the guy I really look for to take, you know, a leap to the next level. The Knicks never really gave Mitchell Robinson like full-time minutes at center. And I think he's super talented. We saw what Tibbs did with Noah during his early years. So I'm excited to see what he could do with RJ Barrett and uh, Robinson. And, you know, hopefully Tibbs being away from the game for a couple of years, hopefully he got a little bit self-aware about his flaws. Like this is the era of load management. Tom Thibodeau is probably the last guy you would ever associate with load management, but like, let's see if Tibbs learned something from his mistakes and learned something from his time off because, 
Uh, you know, definitely he has flaws as a coach. There's no doubt about that. I still think the pros outweigh the cons with Tibbs, though, and that he should be a good hire for the Knicks. But uh, it starts with overhauling the roster, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I know some people were, like, were complaining because Leon Rose, the new Knicks president, CAA guy, Tom Thibodeau, CAA guy, and just kind of like the buddy-buddy thing there. And it's like, like you, it's already like a bad start. I know they brought in World Wide West and all that kind of stuff, and people are just like, oh, it's going to be like the same old Knicks bullshit. But, I mean, you bring up like the – Looking at the roster, obviously needs to get a lot better. Uh, they, I mean, intri- possibly intriguing defensive potential there with with Tibbs when you have Mitchell Robinson. Uh, if they keep Frank Nilakina around, like those are two really good defensive players that you could kind of base like a, a you could see maybe a really good defense forming out of having those two guys there. Like you got your center, you got your point guard at the lead of attack. Uh, I know around like you still got RJ and, and Julius Randle's not the best defensive player, so like. Yeah, obviously, and like Bobby Portis is still there. Who knows? If, who knows how how many of these guys will be there uh, for the long haul? They signed a lot of short term contracts, so who knows? Obviously, again, like you said Mitchell Robinson uh, will be the guy to watch. Hopefully, he starts getting a bit more minutes. Uh, I would say, like, I, I I understand why they they wanted Tom Thibodeau. They've they've just been a joke for so long. Bring in a guy who's obviously had success and will like instill. He will instill a culture there. Whether it actually works out, who knows? But. Uh, I don't hate it for the Knicks. I, I get why people say retread. He's past his prime. I totally understand it. The way the game has changed, the way his flaws, you mentioned the minute stuff, load management. Uh, if he's able to adapt, he's obviously a basketball junkie, uh, defensive genius, even if his uh, system and his ways are a bit out of date at this point, the way the league's gone. But, I mean, at this point, the Knicks really can't do any worse. So they've hit rock bottom. So really nowhere to go or up. Go where nowhere to go but up. So we'll see how it goes with uh, Tom Thibodeau in New York. Um, moving on to let's talk about this potential, this news about the potential delete eight second bubble. Uh, we heard that first report like that was like what, like July fourth weekend about the possible like second bubble in Chicago, and then it's been like nothing. It's just been like kind of radio silence on that front. We finally got some new news from Rick Bonnell, the Charlotte Observer. Uh, and it's not even that different. It was basically – it just seems like these activities, if they do have them for these Delete 8 teams, which would, the Bulls are included, would possibly just be uh, – they would involve like individual workouts at, at the places right now, which I think a lot of teams are doing. Like the Bulls have guys at the Advocate. So they do these uh, these like workouts at, the home, at their home home markets in August, so they'd be coming up pretty soon. And then there would be some, some group workouts hosted by a couple franchises not involved in the Orlando return. Maybe that involves – Chicago was that whole Chicago second bubble stuff, and that there would be possibly scrimmages, but scrimmages, but maybe not. It seems like there was probably some pushback to that initial second bubble idea, which was basically that all the teams would come to Chicago. These eight teams would come to Chicago. They'd practice, and they'd, they'd play some. They'd have a little schedule together, and they'd play some games. Now it seems like it's more just like some group workout stuff, maybe some scrimmages against each other, but nothing really set in stone here. This does still have to be agreed upon by the NBA and by NBA, the National Basketball Players Association. But, uh, again, this would – the Bulls does uh, – the, the, the Jim Boylan thing, the Bulls are probably waiting on this to see if they're going to have this happen. Uh, we kind of talked about the second bubble thing before, not the biggest fan of it. I do understand why a team like the Bulls, I guess, and why some of these younger teams would want to get some action in here because the competitive disadvantage of like not getting court time for all this time while the other teams in Orlando will be getting it. Uh, I guess I, I'd be. I guess I'd be more fine if they just want to do these kind of like these uh, workouts and like the home market, and if they want to work out together for a bit, 
I mean, I guess it's okay. I, I know there are concerns about guys just kind of going and doing whatever, so that like having them in the in the form, more formal team setting would be better. Uh, Ricky, thoughts on this new report? Yeah, the second bubble idea sucks, but at least the way they apparently have amended the plan uh, that was reported by Rick Bynell seems better to me. Like, I do think there's some value in team activities, but, you know, this is still all coming before the draft and free agency. So to me, that's a little bit weird. Like, essentially, they're just uh, getting teams in together to practice, even though, like, the season's not going to start till Christmas and you're not going to have your full complement of players. So it sort of just seems like it's in this weird middle zone uh, where it still doesn't totally make a lot of sense to me. I would prefer if it was, you know, after the draft and free agency or if it was, like, some hybrid of summer league that they were going to start off, you know, to kick off like the new calendar year for the league. Um, But this plan sounds, I guess, a little bit better. And uh, really though, I think it's just going to be another excuse for the bulls to keep boiling and try to evaluate him. uh, Whatever that means. Like how can you just not evaluate him on his winning percentage and, you know, his reputation with players, his reputation around the league and all the BS that happened last year, that should be more than enough to evaluate him on. But I think Karnaschovas is going to want to see him, up close, and I think that that's only because ownership loves him, and Karnashovis knows that if he fires Boylan, that already he's getting on the bad side of ownership, which is totally ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, I think that that is the end game of this for from the Bulls' perspective, and it's a huge bummer. Yeah, it really is. And we'll, like I said, it's probably going to be. Well, I believe that was August for these workouts, and it might go into September. Like you said, that's still before the draft and all that. So we're still going to have to wait and see. Uh, I, I believe this report said that something could be agreed upon this week. So again, we'll be on the lookout for this to see if there's anything concrete on that front. Uh, before we have some kind of leftover thoughts on Joakim Noah, some baseball stuff, let's take another quick break here and hear from our sponsor, Manscaped. Support for Cash Considerations brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your your grooming experience. When you are trying to go groom down there, sometimes you just have issues. You get little nicks, you get little cuts. Not, not, uh, Not pleasant at all. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke, that's trademarked, technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud with this intelligently designed stand as a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. So trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CASH at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use that promo code CASH. Your balls will thank you. We are back here for the last bit of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I mentioned Joakim Noah. We've kind of mentioned him a few times on this pod. Just real quick, how great has, has it been to see Joakim Noah back in the NBA in a Clippers uniform, he got the start in the Clippers' first scrimmage because they've been missing some guys. So Joe Noah got the start. I believe he scored the Clippers' first basket of this scrimmage the other day. Just a lot of great to see Joe Noah back in the NBA. I think he, I haven't watched them closely, 
But from what I've seen, he's looking pretty good. He's putting up his normal kind of all-around stat lines, being his active self. Uh, and, and I believe he also took a little little uh, shot at LeBron James like he likes to do, and he talked about how there's no prima donnas on this Clippers team. So it's classic Joakim Noah. Glad to see him back. Ricky, I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, I love Joakim Noah, one of my favorite athletes of all time. The Athletic just published a big piece on him uh, since we started recording this episode that I can't wait to check out. But Noah's my number one rooting interest in the bubble. Uh, I'll be pulling for the Clippers just because of Noah, I guess, uh, as long as the bubble keeps going. So... Man, Tibbs back and Noah back, dude. It's like it's 2011 all over again. I know. Crazy stuff. All right, and to finish up here, coming to a close to an end, let's uh, talk a little more about baseball just because baseball is back. And you you mentioned your White Sox fandom. I'm a big Cubs fan. Uh, I know bad bad result for the White Sox today. The Cubs did win. They smashed the Brewers to take two out of three at Wrigley Field to start this season. Uh, They just hit a bunch of dingers in late innings. I think they had like three or four home runs today. Some great fielding. Um, Ricky, just you talked about how the White Sox just like they've been just like such trash for so long. And I used to say that a lot of times as a Cubs fan. Obviously, the Cubs have been better recently. They won the World Series in 2016. They went to several straight NLCS. NLCS is the there question marks more around this team, and it almost feels kind of a last dance scenario for the Cubs. But the White Sox, a team on the rise. Uh, there's been a lot of hype around them. I've seen some stuff about like in Vegas about how like everyone's betting they're over. Uh, they're getting some love for the World Series. I'm pretty sure Frank Thomas, who obviously there's some bias there. Frank Thomas, I think he's, and when I was watching the Cubs Fox broadcast, there I think he picked them to either go to the World Series or win. But just it's even as a Cubs fan, I think it's exciting that there is a lot of excitement on the south side of Chicago. They have so many fun young players. You na- you mentioned Luis Robert, obviously Eloy Jimenez. The Cubs traded him away in that. In that Jose Quintana deal, I think the White Sox are going to be able to laugh at the Cubs for a long time because of that trade. You mentioned Yohan Mankata. Uh, it's unfortunate that what's the, I'm blanking on the pitcher's name now, but they're a really good pitcher. He said it was sitting out this season, but they, they still have Lucas Kopech. Giolito, even though Michael he got Kopech. Michael Kopech. That's right. I know he's sitting out this season, but I mean, the future is bright for him. Uh, I know Giolito got rocked in his opening day start, but he was so good last year. I'm sure he'll come back around. Dallas Keuchel looked fantastic in game two for them. So just Ricky, how does it feel to actually like possibly be excited about the White Sox this season? Yeah, or I guess you are excited about the White Sox. So it's, it's been a while. For sure. Yeah. Haven't made the playoffs since 08. So it's been a very long rebuild for the White Sox. They couldn't even get in the playoffs when they had the best pitcher alive in Chris Sale. Now you're finally seeing the fruits of that trade. Mankata was awesome last year. I don't think he was an all-star, but he killed it in the second half. Uh, obviously, Anderson was the batting champ in the AL yeah, last year. Now you've got Luis Robert up. Eloy for the f- full season, even though it's 60 games. He should be really good, though. Eloy got hurt today uh, tracking a ball that – the Twins ended up hitting out of the yard. Eloy, pretty bad on defense. And I think that, like, mostly what this White Sox season is going to be is a bunch of, like, 10 to 8 games. Like, I don't really trust the White Sox pitching unless Lopez or Cease is going to sort of have, like, a breakout. And Lopez was terrible today. He's saying he was hurt. So, uh, you know, maybe he'll have his bounce back year, but I kind of doubt it. Uh, hopefully Cease can, you know, turn the corner and be the pitcher people thought he could be as a prospect because – I love Keuchel. I think Giolito's solid, but they're going to need more depth in the rotation. Uh, the lineup is interesting because you have so many power bats that got guys who should be hitting like fifth or sixth in the order. That's where I would love someone like Anderson, where he could drive in some more runs. Instead, Anderson's hitting leadoff because he's the fastest guy on the team. He doesn't walk much, though, so it's not really a natural fifth. And you have him in caught it, too. But uh, the White Sox are just going to be really fun to watch. 
I did tweet today, though, that uh, I'm not sure why the White Sox stuck with Ricky Renteria for another season as <laughs> their manager. Yeah. And Jim from Sox Machine, a uh, great White Sox independent blog that you got to check out if you're a baseball fan, he responded, well, we've been following the Bulls coaching search, so the Bulls <laughs> coaching situation. So, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like another Jerry Reinsdorf phone team. Renteria should have been fired if this was going to be like their – uh, you know, year to make a move and be competitive. So that's I what wish, the Cubs did. I wish they had a more seasoned manager uh, or just a better manager, I guess. And then otherwise, it's like you're going to need to win some games 10 to 8, I think, because uh, that's just the type of, you know, type of trust in the offense I have and the type of trust I have in the pitching, which is not very much. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Ricky Renteria. Like, I mean, that's basically what the Cubs did. They had him as kind of like a bridge manager. Uh, and then they brought in Joe Madden. They obviously took huge steps forward, not just because of Joe Madden. They obviously added a lot more talent. But yeah, the White Sox have a ton of talent there. And we've kind of already seen, like you mentioned, like this, like these 10 8 games, the roller coaster. Uh, I think they lost with like 10 5 or 10, something like that in the first game. They come out and they scored, I believe, 10 runs uh, yesterday in a win. And then they get smoked. I think 13 2 was the last I saw. I'm not sure if that was the final. But yeah, just like this roller coaster here with. The questionable pitching and the power bats. Like, it's going to be a lot of fun either way. Obviously, like if they, with all these teams making making the playoffs this year, like it'll be disappointing if both teams don't make it in. Because I mean, the Cubs they still have a lot of talent in their offense. They have also have their own questions with their pitching. Uh, we saw Kyle Hendricks pitch an incredible gem in the complete game shutout opening day. Uh, Tyler Chadwood actually pitched really well today. You did not pitch as great in game two, uh, and their bullpen is is probably trash. So questions there. I feel like both does like both sides of town. Like they should be really fun with their lineups, but the pitching just a lot of question marks. So a lot of high scoring games. It should be interesting with the sixty game sprint and with sixteen teams making the playoffs. Like I think it would be a disappointment if if both teams aren't in. And then from there, like obviously once you get in the playoffs in Major League Baseball, like anything can happen. So like well again, I mentioned Frank Thomas. Like if he says they're going to win the World Series, like maybe that's a bit bit much. In this kind of crazy season, like, who knows? Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. And I mean, with this talent on the roster, like, I don't want to totally count out, like, either the White Sox or the Cubs. So, like, uh, that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun if they if they somehow face each other in the World Series. Like, that obviously hasn't happened in a that, long time. That'll never be happen. Pretty awesome. We'll live there our whole lives without that <laughs> happening. But, man, that would just be the greatest, wouldn't it? It would and be. I've been dope. talking mad shit about the Cubs because I'm, like, getting kind of jacked up about the White Sox. I feel like I'm back in the high school cafeteria shitting on the Cubs oh, whenever yeah. I get the chance. But <laughs> – uh, the Cubs are obviously a talented team, and you know they have a roster built to go to the 2015 NLCS. I think so. Uh, they got a lot of <laughs> lot of former World Series heroes on that team still, but I think the Cubs bullpen is going to be a huge problem. Trash. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, we'll see what happens with their order. But yeah, the Cubs hitting dong so far, so it should be a fun baseball season, man. I'm really yeah. hoping that this baseball season can go off without like a bunch of guys getting sick and possibly dying, and that everything yeah, I mean, works I'm out that- okay. On that front, on that front, I mean, there, today there were reports about how the Marlins now have like three or four guys, and then I think the uh, Reds have a couple guys possibly, and I think I don't know if it was the Braves possibly as well. So like, especially with baseball, like obviously the NBA they have the strict bubble, they have all these rules, but with baseball, I mean, these teams are traveling around the. Around, I know they're trying to keep it more regional, but they're still traveling. Uh, they still have a bit more like there's obviously some contact there, and like I know they're trying to be safe with their own protocols as well, but like the travel stuff. Obviously, just makes this whole different. They're not all staying in a bubble, so like we're already seeing some some teams with possible outbreaks. It does make me worry worry about how this is going to work out. But 
I was definitely skeptical when the first reports came out of a 60-game season. I was obviously not happy with uh, how those negotiations played out and the owners just being complete pieces of shit during those negotiations and end up getting a 60-game season. Now I was skeptical about it, but now like with the games back, the 60-game sprint could be really interesting, and they're doing all this unique stuff. So, I'm, I mean, I'm just excited that baseball's back, so it'll be interesting. Ricky, before we – last thing, finally, we've been going on long enough here. Do you have any update on your Western Illinois NBA two, or NCAA 2K stuff? Yeah, we're streaming season year 18 of the project on Monday on Twitch. So what we're going to do is I'm going to play through the whole season. My team is definitely good enough to win the national championship. This is year 18. I've won two titles – so far so going for my third title uh got a team that i think can do it last year we went to the elite eight the last two years we went to the elite eight and the year before we went to the sweet 16 so uh i got a bunch of seniors on this team so what we're going to do on monday is i'm going to play through the entire season and we're going to watch one game one simulated game together i got to recruit for four scholarships so it's going to be a big year both in terms of recruiting and on the court uh to see if my team could win so Monday night, we're streaming up to the NCAA tournament. We're going to do another bracket pool, which I've been doing the last couple seasons. If you win the bracket pool, we get to create you as a character in the game, as a five-star recruit. And we're not going after that player at Western Illinois, uh, but we'll just like you know follow his story in the game. So this guy Matt won the first year, and we he want you know he gave me like a paragraph on what type of player he wanted. Him, to make it was a six nine power forward so i created him and he ended up committing to dayton so now we scheduled dayton this year i did a poll for what game uh the fans want to watch on the schedule and dayton was leading currently last i checked so uh you know your character gets to be added to the leatherneck cinematic universe as i like to call it and it's been really fun so far i basically haven't played the series in a week because i was writing um, my spinoff series on deke van that went out last week's a former player at Western Illinois, who I put on the Seattle Supersonics now. So uh, it's still been really fun. I hope to keep it going. And uh, yeah, year 18 playthrough, simming up to the NCAA tournament on Monday. And then basically every two days, we're going to stream tournament games until you know we're out and then we'll do it again for next season. So yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. Definitely everybody go check that out. Ricky's been doing that for the space of this whole hi- hiatus. Obviously now with sports back, he's still doing it. So a lot of fun there. Please go check that out. Uh, that's all for us this week here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out, to, shout out to Blue Wire Pods. Go check out all the great pods across the Blue Wire Network. Please go check out Ian Happ, Chicago Cubs stud, who had, a, who had a dinger and had a great catch in center field today. He's part of our roster here. We had a ton of other great pods all across the network. With sports coming back, we will have actual sports to talk about across the network. So that's awesome. Uh, as always, shout out to our to our sponsors, Deal Dash. Bet online and Manscaped. And for us here at Cast Considerations, please rate and review us. Give us five stars. Or if you don't want to give us five stars, give us something and let us know what we can do better. Wherever you listen to your pods, we are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. So for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, H. Chicago's podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. Take it easy. <laughs>